Uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. I wasn't sure uh, at the beginning of this week uh, that we would be here. Uh, I thought maybe we would be virtual. We had quite an encounter with COVID, uh, not that any of us got it, um, but we were in very close proximity to it uh, with, with lots of people. Um, and so it's really good to, to not have gotten it. And we're just thanking Jesus for that because we believe that that he did that so that we could still be here. Um, and so uh, we're just gonna, we're gonna move on with life, right? We're starting a new sermon series this morning that we're calling When in Rome. Uh, and that's basically a play on the idea of that, that phrase, right? When in Rome, do y'all know that? Do what? Do as the Romans do, right? Um, so this is a play on that, on that idea simply because we're gonna be in the book of Romans, right? Um, don't take it any further than that. Don't understand this to be like, oh, well, the church culture should be like the world culture, but I thought we were supposed to be different. Uh, we're not, that's not the point of this, right? It's just a when in Rome, uh, do as the Romans do. And actually, if you look at that statement, that statement did come from the church. Uh, St. Augustine, was he was transferred in, uh, to a different post in Rome, and he was given the advice um, you know what, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do because they, they fasted on Saturday or something like that and he wasn't used to that and, and, and the church overseer or whatever said, hey, you know what, while you're in Rome, it's okay, do what, do what the Romans do. And we understand that in the modern context, we understand that phrase to mean basically um, when you're visiting a new place, when you're visiting a culture that is different than, than what you're familiar with, it's polite, it's advisable to... Uh, to adapt to those circumstances, right? That's what we understand that phrase to mean. And if, like I said, of course, you could go down a really long road with this and you could say, now wait a minute, the church is not, or the world is not our home. We're not supposed to be doing what the rest of the world is doing. And, but that's not, I'm, I, I get that, right? That's true. And I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. But I'm not, that's not the point of this series. We're just going with the fun title, When in Rome. Um, and, uh, and if you don't like that, well, when in Rome, right? Do as the Rome, um, The series is going to be a little bit of a different feel for us, okay? We're going to be um, a little bit more in a Bible study type of a, of a feeling rather than like a sermon series. Uh, this week is going to be an introduction, so it's also going to be different probably than the rest of the series, but we did this with, with the letter of 1 John when we kind of went through 1 John in that series called Dear John, right? It was a letter from John uh, to a specific group of people, and we kind of went chapter by chapter and just looked at what's, what's John trying to say. Well, we're going to kind of do the same thing with this book in Romans, um, and, uh, and so there's going to be a significant amount of scripture that we're reading, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because it'd be advisable to bring a paper Bible if you got one. Um, because we're going to be in the scripture a lot, and it's easier to go back and to track that way because you've got the whole thing in front of you rather than, um, even if you got a phone, you know, scrolling up and down, trying to find your place, all of that, it's just easier with this. Um, and I forgot to send out that email this week, so sorry about that. This week's a little different anyways. But we do have it on the screen as always, so you can follow it that way. Um, I'm going to be reading, uh, as I always do, out of the New American Standard Bible. Uh, 2020 version, I'm probably the only person in this room that has a paper version of that, just because it's not been out very long, and unless you got a Bible within the last year, um, then you, you probably don't have that. The ESV is very similar to it, uh, and other than that, you'll be able to see some of the differences, right? So we're just going to go into um, the book of Romans. So starting out 
in chapter 1, verse 1, uh, this is what it says, all right? So follow along if you can. For the record, this is all one sentence, okay? You ready for this? Paul gets wordy. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles on behalf of his name, among whom you also are the called, you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in beloved, our beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. One sentence. I know I get worried, but listen, I'm not Paul, okay? Um, basically, let's summarize that whole statement. You ready? Hi, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle, specifically and mostly to the Gentiles, but I am writing this letter to all of you Christians, everybody in the church at Rome. That's it, right? I mean, there's a lot more in there, and you can get a lot more out of it uh, about the, the Jesus, you know, called by Jesus Christ, who was prophesied beforehand. I have the gospel, which was prophesied or given to us beforehand by the prophets and all of that. But basically, he's saying, listen, hi, I'm Paul. I usually write to the Gentiles, but I'm writing to everybody here at this church, right? So that's what he's saying. Um, he just gets a little wordy with it. Verse 8, first... I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Okay, that's important. Remember that through this. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of, of the gospel of his son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, requesting if perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I will succeed in coming to you. So Paul wants to visit them. That's what he's saying, right? He goes on, for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that, I may be, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you just as among the rest of the Gentiles. All right, so Paul's saying, listen, um, I'm thankful for all of you in Rome, okay? I am, a, I am a, 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 an apostle, mostly to the Gentiles. I went to the Jewish church first, to the, Jewish, uh, to the synagogues I preached, and uh, it, basically I was getting nothing, and so I turned to the Gentiles because the Gentiles were believing. And so uh, I specifically have been called to the Gentiles, and that's my ministry, but I am thankful for all of you believers in Rome. And as God is my witness, I want to come visit you, and, and God can witness to how often I pray for you, how often I want to come visit you, um, and, and, and I've, I've even tried several times, but I've not been successful in it. For whatever reason, I've been prevented from it. Um, so my question is, like, why does Paul want to visit them? Well, he says, first of all, I want to visit you because uh, I would like to impart some spiritual gifts to you, right? I would love to, to see you working in the gifts of the Spirit. 
and allowing us to together be encouraged by all of that happening. He says, um, basically, I, I would love to get together with you. Let's get together. Let's, uh, let's worship. Let's invite the, the Spirit to move among us. Let's be encouraged. That sounds a lot like church, right? Paul's like, I want to come visit you guys because I want to have church with you. I want to be encouraged with you. I, I would love to for you to experience the, the power of the Spirit and for us to be encouraged. Let's minister together with one another. So it sounds a lot like church. I want to come visit you so we can have church together. But then he adds this curious statement. Okay, remember, he's writing to the saints. That's what he says, to all who are called saints. Okay, so he's writing to the saints. He's writing to believers, the Christians, and he writes this, and this is what is curious. Verse 14, says, I'm under obligation to both the Greeks and to the uncultured, both to wise and the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous one will live by faith. Now, wait a minute. Why did I say that was curious? Why is that interesting or strange that he would, would write that? Well, Paul's writing to believers, right? He's writing to the church. These people are Christians. They are believers at, to, in this church in Rome or the many churches in Rome, however you want to say it, or I don't, I don't really know what it looked like. But he's writing to believers, to all who are called saints, to people who have already put their faith in Jesus, who are born again, who've been baptized, both Gentile and Jew, they're, they're Christians. And he tells them, I've tried to come to visit you many times, and the reason I want to come is I'm eager to preach the gospel to you. I know of your faith, right? I know that, that you're, you're born again, but for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, that statement right there should be like, hmm, that's interesting because he's talking to the church and he's interested, he's desiring to preach the gospel to the church. And you and I, he says, I'm not ashamed of that. You and I have probably heard that verse many times before, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. But when I think of that verse, or the context of that verse, I've always thought of that verse in a mind of like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in the world, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I want the world to know that I believe John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will, will have eternal life, right? I, I, I want the world to know. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed, like, and, and, and we so, so we say it in that context, like, I am not ashamed of the gospel. You hear me, world? You hear that? I'm not ashamed of it. I'm a believer. Do what you want to me, but this is what I believe, right? It's kind of a God's not dead kind of a statement, right? Stand up for what you believe, and, I'm, and don't be ashamed of it. Like, that's the mentality that I typically have with that. We preach the gospel to the world because the world needs salvation, it's the power of God for salvation. And so we, we have that mind, right? Am I wrong? Is that how we normally, like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But I'm not sure that's the context that Paul is writing that statement in. 
because Paul is writing to come about coming to visit a church. He's writing to believers, to Christians, who he knows are Christians because he says, listen, I, I, the world knows your faith. The world knows your faith. It's known all over. I'm praying to God about, your, about you and about your faith. I'm, but I am eager to come to you and to preach the gospel. Not to the unbelievers in Rome, but I'm eager to come to you and to visit you to preach the gospel to you. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's interesting because he's writing to the church and he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this thing because I know it is the power for salvation and in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Do you understand or can you see how this might be significant in a way that we don't normally think about it? Because Paul is telling the church in Rome that he is not ashamed to preach the gospel to them. That should kind of make us scratch our heads or it makes me scratch my head a little bit. Why would that even be a thought for Paul? Why would Paul, why would he even have to say, I want to come preach the gospel to you, but I'm not ashamed, and I'm not ashamed of that? Like, why would that even be a thought in his head? These people are already believers. Of course he's not ashamed to, to teach them in the gospel, right? They're already believers. Of course he's not. If you're going to be ashamed, it's going to be in the world, right? Where people think you're a lunatic for believing that. God became a man and then allowed himself to be killed and then rose from the dead three days later, right? That's where, in, in your mind, you would say, well, that's, that's the place that it would be, make sense to be ashamed if you're going to be ashamed. But to the church and to preach the gospel, like, I mean, there's no reason that you would be ashamed. You just get a bunch of head nods and amens, right, when you preach the gospel in the church. Thank you. That's right. Amen. So why would Paul then say he's unashamed of the gospel and unashamed to preach the gospel to the church in Rome? And why would he say, listen, I want to come visit you because I am eager. I am eager. I desire. Like I'm, 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 I'm excited about preaching the gospel to you in Rome. Because these are believers. Shouldn't they know the gospel? They got it somehow, right? I believe they're believers. Paul believes they're believers. He said, I know of your faith. The world knows of your faith. So why then does, does Paul go to preach the gospel to them? Like, why not just move on to somebody else, Paul? Well, to answer that question, we're gonna talk about some stuff going on in Rome that's not necessarily in the Bible, Okay. Now, I'm not saying we're taking extracurricular text and we're going to study that. I'm just saying this is historical fact of what we're going to talk about. Because what's happening in Rome at this time, we believe Paul wrote this letter in 57 um, AD, okay? About eight years before Paul writes this letter, in, in 49 AD, we know by the history books, by secular historians, that uh, Claudius was the Roman emperor, okay? And in 49 AD, Claudius, the emperor of Rome, kicks out all the Jews from Rome. Boots them out, okay, in 49 AD. And this guy, the, the reason he does it, according to the historian, this guy's name was Suetonius, 
I think. I don't know how you say it, but anyway, Suetonius. The reason that Claudius kicked the Jews out of Rome was, quote, he expelled all the Jews from Rome since they rioted constantly at the instigation of Christus. Okay? In other words, there was constant fighting and rioting among the Jews because of Christ. Okay? And this is in in 49 AD. So you're talking about 16 years after Jesus died and he rose from the grave. And there is such an issue among the Jews because of this Christ that the emperor kicked all the Jews out of Rome, okay? And what you have to remember is that at this point in history, there is no distinction between uh, uh, Christians and Jews. There's no distinction. There's Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and there's Jews who do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? But that's the status of this thing. And the church was by a very, 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 very large majority Jewish, okay? Because he was the Jewish Messiah. He came for, to, as the Jewish Messiah. Jesus was Jewish, and he brought in uh, um, the, the, he was, he was the, the Messiah, right? Who came to rescue the people, the, the Hebrew people. And so for a very large majority of the church, it was Jewish Christians. There were Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And so there was no separation. And so there was such a big ruckus among these two groups of people, among these two groups of Jews, Jews who believed that Jesus was the Messiah and Jews who didn't believe in Jesus, that, and, and then also throw in their Gentiles who were believing in Jesus because there were, there were some of them, um, there was such a ruckus about this that Claudius said, Claudius said, listen, I've had enough. That's it. Everybody out. Okay? Everybody out. Jews, we're done. Get out. Sounds familiar as a parent. Okay? Boys, I don't care who started it. That's it. Everybody out. We've said that more than one time, right? Out of the van. Everybody out of the van. We we're going to go do something fun. We can't do it. I've had it. Let's go. Everybody out. We're done. Okay? So the emperor kicks everybody out, of, uh, kicks all the Jews out of the city of Rome. So if you're Jewish, you're gone. I don't know how they track that, but that's what happened, okay? So all the Jews are kicked out of Rome in the year 49. So who's left in the church in Rome? Gentiles. Gentile Christians are left in the church in Rome. All of the Jews are gone, but you've still got Christians because they're not Jewish by their heritage. They're believers in Jesus, but they're not Jewish. So all, the, all that's left in the church in Rome is Gentile Christians, okay? They didn't have their heritage, but they found Jesus and they'd been born again. They'd been made new. So all the Jewish Christians are gone and the only people left to make up the church are the Gentile Christians for a period of time. What does that do? For a church, okay? Because you also have to understand that the Jewish people were very much the, the leadership of the church, okay? So now all of a sudden, because you have Jewish leadership, and that Jewish leadership has all of the traditions and the history and, and all of the, the all of that. So it was very much flavored, it had a Jewish flavor to it, okay? The the church. But now all that's gone. Because the only people that are left don't have that history and don't have that flavor with them. They don't have that tradition with them. And so 
all they have is Jesus and what Jesus has done. They don't have the tradition of the law and Moses and the history of Israel and all of that stuff, okay? They just have Jesus and what he's done and what he accomplished rather than Moses and the law and stuff like that because those who had that background were gone. And so the Gentile Christians are in charge. They are the church of Rome. And that was the case for quite a while. So what you have is that happened eight years before. Paul is writing this letter into this situation eight years after the Jews have been kicked out and there's a new emperor that's come into power. So it's not as high on his priority list. So Jews are starting to come back into the city, okay? And Paul is writing this letter into this atmosphere of the church where Jewish Christians are coming back and they're not finding a church that is familiar to them because it's not Jewish in flavor anymore, right? And so they're, they're bringing their, their history and their traditions back to the church and they're going, wait a minute, what happened to all this stuff? What happened to all the stuff that we experienced and we know to be true? And Paul is writing a letter into that atmosphere where there is a a Jewish influence trying to be brought back in into a a, a non-Jewish necessarily uh, environment. And and it's tense, right? Because everybody's trying to figure out, well, what do we do? How do we do this? Uh, We're asking questions like, how Jewish should we be? How Jewish should we not be? Like, what's our identity in all this? It's, it's really an identity kind of an issue of who we are as a people, right? So who should be in charge? What should we believe? What's required? What comes forward from the law and what doesn't come forward from the law? Should all of it be required? Should none of it be required? Should some of it be required, okay? They're, they're asking all of these questions. This is a huge deal within the church, especially for this letter that Paul is writing to Rome. And we're gonna find that as we go deeper into this letter, he's addressing these issues, okay? And Paul has very clearly stated, listen, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, okay? Like that, that's his role. He's a Jewish man who was called by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And he's saying, listen, I wanna come to you and I wanna visit you so bad because I wanna preach the good news to you. I wanna preach the gospel to you. I know you're confused. I know that you don't, you, you've got, you're, you're trying to figure out what is what and who is who and, and where do we go with all of this stuff. And I wanna preach the gospel to you because I think there's probably some stuff that's being brought in that's not the gospel or that, that, that is the gospel, but it's got other stuff loaded on top of it and, and with it. And he says, I want you to know the truth of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. This is the gospel I take to the Gentiles elsewhere. And this is the gospel that I'm bringing to you. And I am not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of this message. It might be a message that, that doesn't sit right with you right now or right where you've come from, but I'm not ashamed of it. I want you to know, I want you to be clear what is the gospel and what isn't the gospel, okay? And I think when you read Paul's other letters, it's pretty clear to us that there are people who are preaching a different gospel than he was. It's very clear. We know for a fact that there's people who, who, are, who are saying, listen, this is exclusively a Jewish thing, Okay? Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He came for the Jews to save the Jews, to restore the Jews. That's what all the prophets and the law, all of it says. This is exclusively a Jewish thing. And listen, we'd like to welcome you in, but if you're gonna be in, then you gotta be a Jew. So come on in, but 
you know, you gotta, you gotta be a Jew and you gotta do all the things that come along with it. We know there's people that were saying that. The entire book of Galatians, Paul is writing to, to this church who, uh, who has been invaded by what they call the Judaizers, like people who were like, we're gonna make this Jewish thing again, okay? We know for a fact that there are people like that. It's a huge deal. Even before this thing happened in Rome, in Acts chapter 15, the leadership of the church in Jerusalem was trying to figure out this, this question. And Jerusalem was like the headquarters of the church, right? Worldwide headquarters of the church. Um, and they're, they're trying to debate all of these things. Well, what do, what do the Gentiles have to do? What do they not have to do? And eventually they come to the conclusion and say, listen, let's not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to Jesus. That's what they say. Let's not make it difficult, okay? It is by grace that we're saved through Jesus, okay? So even the church in Jerusalem, the the leadership, the head of, of the worldwide church is dealing with this issue. This is happening in real time for them. They don't have a guide. They don't have a book, that's telling them what, they, what should and shouldn't be allowed or all that stuff, right? So in Acts, they even decide the leadership of the church says, listen, we're not gonna make it difficult. But, and this is, I, I forget how many years later, that they're, they're dealing with this issue in Rome, okay? It takes time for all of this to develop. News doesn't travel fast. And even if church leadership says something, then yeah, it just takes a while, right? It just takes a while. So there's a message here that Paul wants to preach to the church in Rome because he wants them to be clear on what the gospel is. If you go to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter one is what I was just saying. Galatians one verse six, he says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not just another account. In other words, it's not just another version of the gospel. There's something different about this. But there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we've said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking favor of people or of God or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached by me is not of human invention, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying, listen, I came and I preached the gospel to you, and you're allowing it, you, you have, for whatever reason, other people have come in and, and distorted it, and you've gone with that, okay? And he says, listen, what I preach to you, I received from Jesus. I didn't say it. I didn't make it up, okay? That's what Paul is saying. He's like, listen, I have a message. I have the gospel that I want to teach you. And what I taught you came from Jesus. He said that to the church in, in Galatia. And now he's saying that to Rome. He's like, listen, all of this is stuff, stuff is going on and I wanna come visit you because I wanna teach you the gospel, okay? And I'm not ashamed of that gospel. I want to teach you the gospel because he knows that there are elements within the church among believers, among Christians that are not on the same page with the gospel that he is teaching. He knows that. He's very aware of that. And he declares to them, he says, listen, 
I know what some people are teaching. I know, some, I know what some of you believe. I know what some of you are trying to convince others of, and I know it doesn't fit with what I'm teaching. But I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone, both the Jew and the non-Jew. Paul says, I've got a message for you, the believer, that you need to hear the gospel. Why is it that Paul says that this is so important? He says, well, the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And you know I love this next line. Here it is. He said, why is the power of God for salvation? It's the power of God for salvation because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith or from faith for faith. The righteous in in, so so the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation because in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. It's a cycle saying, all right? And it starts with your righteousness. That's what he's saying. The good news of Jesus Christ is all about your righteousness. That righteousness comes to you from faith and faith comes from that righteousness. It's a cycle. You see, it's a self-perpetuating cycle, but it has to start with your righteousness is what he's saying. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. And it's important to know and highlight again and clarify, Paul is saying that's not the same gospel that some of you are being taught. That's not the same gospel that everyone is teaching. It's not the same good news. There is a difference in what Paul wants to preach to them and what some of them currently believe. Now they're Christians, they're believers, they have eternal life, they're going to heaven. He's not doubting any of that. He's not questioning any of that. He's not asking them to second guess that. But he's saying, I want you to know, I want to teach you what has been revealed to me about the good news. And the good news of Jesus Christ is about the righteousness of God being revealed in you by faith in him. Listen, this is, this is Justin speaking now, okay, not Paul. I want you to know that I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God, not me, not you. It is the power of God for salvation and it comes from you being made righteous through him, through faith not by any action, not by anything you can do to keep it up. It is through faith. I'm not ashamed of that gospel because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And when is the righteousness of God revealed? Right now, in you, right now, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, not because of anything else. I am not ashamed of that gospel. And I feel like some of you need to know that you don't need to be ashamed of that gospel. It's the truth. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm sure there are people in church, I know there are Christians, there are people in the church who shake their head at that kind of good news and say, but yeah, but, and they layer things on top of it. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And they say, how can it be 
Or maybe they don't say that, but if we sat down and have a conversation, personal conversation about it, then we, we would have that conversation and they would say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. But I cannot be ashamed of this gospel because it is the power of God for salvation and I'm not willing to settle for anything less than the power of God for my salvation, for my life. So that's how Paul starts out this letter. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I wanna come visit you because I want you to know the gospel. I wanna teach the gospel to you. And so the cool part about the book of the Romans is that this letter that Paul wrote for the next 11 chapters is Paul telling the church in Rome the gospel. He says, listen, I wanna come visit you. I've been prevented so far. So I'm gonna write 16 chapters of what I would say if I came. This is the gospel. He presents it to him, right? And so for 11 chapters, 11 and a half chapters, Paul tells the church of Rome what the gospel is. He says, I wanna preach to you, but we'll have to settle for this instead. And so the book of Romans is this clear, concise picture of what Paul understood the gospel was. That's a pretty amazing thing. Because we have all these other letters and we have all this other stuff where Paul is addressing these specific things. And he does that in the book of Romans, but it doesn't happen until chapter 12, okay? But, and, 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 and so we kind of make these inferences from about what he's saying and all this kind of stuff. But the book of Romans is Paul saying, listen, this is the gospel. And I want you to know the truth. Here it is right here, right now. And he says, I am not ashamed of this message of righteousness that is the gospel. I know it doesn't fit with all that you've been taught or all that you believe or all that some of the people teaching. I know it doesn't teach and I know it doesn't fit, but this is the good news right here. The righteousness of God is revealed. It is uncovered. It is made known in you from faith in Christ. That's the gospel. And then he expounds on what that actually means in the next 11 chapters. So as the worship team comes up, When we do this study, maybe it would, be an, would have been better instead of saying when in Rome, do as the Romans do, we would say when in Romans, I don't know, do as the book of Romans, right? We're gonna study this. And for the next, I don't know how many weeks, we didn't even get through chapter one, okay? But we're gonna study the gospel. And we're gonna find out what the gospel is and what Paul understood the gospel was. Like I said, it's, only, it's not even until chapter 12 that Paul gets to his therefore statement, which is where then he starts to give instructions and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, this is the truth. Here is the gospel, therefore, blah, 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 right? Then this is how it affects your life. But he doesn't say, here's what you need to do. And oh, by the way, here's the gospel. He says, here's the gospel. Because if you do the therefore before you get to the gospel, then all of a sudden you're focused on the doing rather than what's been done. And he says, listen, I want you to know what's been done. I want you to know the truth. I, know, I want you to know what's happened in you, what's happened with you. And so that's what the book of Romans is. Because that's what he's writing this letter to. He's writing this letter to an audience that's got some questions. How Jewish do we need to be? How not Jewish do we need to be? They're wrestling with identity questions. 
about what it means to be not Gentile and not what it means to be Jew, but what it means to be righteous sons and daughters of God. And that's what Paul wants to write to them. That's what he wants to write about. And so for the rest of the series, we're going to get into the gospel. I'm not ashamed of this message. I'm convinced of this message. And we're going to keep talking about it. So why don't you all stand up to your feet and let's pray as we get back into worship. Lord Jesus, would you open our eyes? Most of us in this room are believers. Most of us are Christians already. Maybe all of us. But God, sometimes it's good to be reminded what the good news is. What the gospel is. Maybe we... We, we, we've believed according to a different gospel, a different good news, or maybe a good news that has some other stuff loaded on top of it, God, and we can't even see it. But I pray, Father, that through this study and through this series, you would open our eyes to the truth that you would have us see. The truth that you have made us righteous sons and righteous daughters of God right now That is our identity. Lord, we want to explore that. We want to know what that means about who we are. And then we want to see how that affects our life as we live in that righteousness that you've already made us, God. You have made us right. It's not about the doing, it's about the being. And you have made us right. So Lord, would you continue to teach us on this idea. Open our eyes, Lord. We love you. Amen.